You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, welcome once again to Cinema a la Carte, a podcast part of the Dark Discussions News Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. (laughs) This is Eric. Eric, how's it going? I am well. Excellent, excellent. The way you hesitated there, I thought you might be switching it up on me. Yeah, yeah, I I almost screwed up. I, I, I was thinking for a second, is... Is it a Commonwealth or New York? And I was, oh yeah, that's right. It's not Commonwealth. It's, it's nobody really cares except you. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't see. Is the only one who cares? I will say that there's not a lot of people who cares. Right. right. There's only three <laughs> okay. Commonwealths. But, yeah. um, and in the state of New York, we just heard someone. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how's it going? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, so, for folks who are uh, curious. I'm, House cleaning. Uh, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, the Cinema a la Carte podcast, uh, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It is a network that has a number of podcasts, including articles and such. Uh, the original podcast is Dark Discussions Podcast, which comes out weekly. And this podcast here is uh, a different podcast that Eric will uh, discuss in a second, uh, you know, what, it, what it's about. But uh, before we do, uh, Eric, we have. Uh, something else on that website. What is that? <laughs> I think you're talking about the Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a way that you can financially support your podcasters. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or follow the Patreon link on any page of dark discussions.com. Uh, we have to pay for stuff to keep this running. And by we, I mean, Phil. Um, so if you would like to help offset the cost of producing these shows, that's how you can do it. For every $5 a month that you care to donate, you'll have the opportunity to pick a topic for us to possibly cover on Dark Discussions. We take all the submissions from our patrons and pull one at random on a quarterly basis. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Uh, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. And also, uh, we do have an email, which is darkdiscussions at AOL.com, or just press the Contact Us menu choice on darkdiscussions.com and you can email us here at this podcast I just put in the subject something like calc C-A-L-C for cinema a la carte and the subject and then topic and we'll read your email on the podcast Um, so uh, any feedback or things you want to tell us or talk about it's always greatly appreciated now uh, Eric what is this podcast all about this podcast is a podcast that was created because Phil kept trying to take any movie that he liked and shove it into the Dark Discussions podcast. 
<laughs> it's all started over an argument about Mission Impossible uh, six or or seven? No, seven's the one that hasn't come out yet. Six. Um, he wanted to do it on Dark Discussions. I'm just like, no, man, that's not a Dark Discussions movie. And so he tried to be sneaky uh, and gain public support by putting a poll up on the Facebook page. But the Facebook page also said that's not appropriate for Dark Discussions. So this is our compromise. We created a brand new spinoff podcast. Uh, and thankfully, because of this, we've turns. never had that argument again. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, <laughs> certainly nobody tried to shove Top Gun into the Dark Discussions podcast. That would never happen. Um, so <laughs> now we do this show uh, where Mike, Phil, and I take turns picking movies to cover that wouldn't normally go under the Dark Discussions, although they can be adjacent occasionally. Um, so uh, we started off with the intention of doing this as a monthly show. Uh, but Phil keeps on running off and doing every single television series that's released. So we have to wait for him to finish that before we can record episodes of this. Every, so. every single, every single disappointing television series, the good ones he doesn't bother doing. <laughs> Stranger things we don't do better call Saul. We don't know. And just, but everyone's will disappoint people. That's the one we go for. <laughs> so this has become like a quarterly podcast at this point. Uh, and we are recording again tonight. Now, in defense of Phil, the idea was to do something when we were between other podcasts, not necessarily to do it on a consistent monthly basis. Um, it's just that. Why would I, you defend Phil? I'm, I don't know. That's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, he's going to get the whole dinosaur apocalypse thing wrong next week. So uh, yeah, you can see into the future. <laughs> I have a sense. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Tom Cruise in an F-18 couldn't take down a dinosaur. <laughs> that is the crossover series I'm waiting for. Phil, <laughs> do you have anything to add? I ripped uh, on you there. <laughs> well, I, 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 I will pick on myself a little bit. Uh, I did suggest last week uh, to everybody if people would want to do Top Gun Maverick for Dark Discussions. It's, it's really not a Dark Discussions film. Yeah, I agree. There's, no, there's nothing. Dark. It's a good film. I just went to see it uh, on on Saturday uh, with with Pam, and uh, we liked it a lot. I it's definitely worth spending your theater dollars. I'll say that. What's that? Yeah, everybody's it's it. definitely worth spending your theater dollars. Go see it on a big screen. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who's the director of that film? Because uh, obviously the original director is no longer with us. Tony Scott. Oh, it's Joseph something. Yeah. Mingala? I can't call. Yeah, I don't either. But, but uh, either way, they say it's as good as the the first one. Uh, oh, it's it's better. I, I am not better. a fan of the original. Joseph Kaczynski is the name of the director. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, I'm not familiar. Oh, with oh, that. oh, 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 yeah. Sure, is he like, Polish? Uh, well, I I think he's American, but but yeah, ethnically he, he would uh, have a, be Polish ancestry. That's absolutely right. <laughs> I can't believe Phil is the one that just pulled that out. Yeah, but but his his mother is is French Canadian, Quebec, like me. So and his father's uh, Polish descent. So, so he's half French, half Polish. There you go. Half French <laughs> French Quebecer, not just French. So there you go. Um, but anyway, we're, we're not talking about Top Gun or John Kaczynski. We're talking about another film uh, tonight, and uh, we do it. Basically, alphabetical by first name. Uh, so, Eric, 
Mike, Phil, Eric, Mike, Phil, and so on. And last one was Phil, which was three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So we uh, rotate back to Eric again, and Eric chose this one. So, uh, Eric, uh, why don't you let everybody know what we're going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 1997 movie directed by David Fincher, starring Michael Douglas, called The Game. What do you get from the man who has everything? Happy birthday, sir. Thank you, Maggie. I don't like her. So it brings you to town, Conrad. Everything all right? October 12th. Nikki's birthday. This is for you. Consumer Recreation Services. Call that number. Why? They make your life fun. What are you selling? It's a game. A game? Specifically tailored for each participant. John, chapter 9, verse 25. Whereas once I was blind, now I can see. Now I can see. One day your game begins. You either love it or hate it. Are you going to spend the rest of the evening prying at that clown's mouth? Mr. Van Orton, is everything all right? Ah, Mr. Van Orton. Have we met? I believe so. Why are you following me? Find out about a company called Consumer Recreation Services. They won't stop, Nick. Yeah, you're not him. I paid the bill. I paid him more to make it stop. I need the police who's gonna break into my house. I need witnesses from a bunch of depraved children. They're trying to kill me. Who's behind this? Who did this to me? Why? the whole thing, aren't you? No! They make your life fun. That's right. Uh, the game is a film directed by uh, David Fincher during uh, probably his heyday uh, when he was like the big band on campus. Uh, it was written by uh, John Bracado and Michael Ferris, uh, who um, haven't done much recently, but uh, they've written a few films of note as well as a few films of embarrassment. Um, for example, uh, one of their, their uh, better films they did was uh, Surrogates, starring Bruce Willis, um, and then, uh, one of their bad films was Catwoman starring. Well, Cat, Catwoman is a bad <laughs> film. I don't know many people who would put surrogates as one of their better films. Uh, well, this, this group, this, I mean, it's better than Catwoman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, surrogates with really bad. Yeah, well, Surrogates uh, may not be a classic, but it was a pretty solid film, pretty in my opinion. But obviously, the game uh, is their best film for sure. Um, the film, as Eric mentioned, uh, does star Michael Douglas, uh, but it also has uh, Sean Penn 
and Deborah Kara Unger, uh, as well as uh, Peter Donnett. And believe it or not, um, Carol Baker has a small uh, small role too as as uh, the um, the maid or housekeeper, um, which I didn't know it was her until I, I looked at the IMDb uh, and wiki earlier. But uh, that's pretty impressive. And then of course there's a young Tony Flanagan from. Uh, uh, what's that motorcycle show? Sons of Anarchy, and also Mark Boone Jr., who plays the uh, detective. The, not yeah. the detective, the private investigator. Yeah, who is Bobby Elvis from? Uh, also from Sons of Sons of Anarchy. Wow! Yeah, yeah. He, he uh, gained a. Well, he looks completely different from from here than than there. That's for sure. Um, so He's fifteen uh, years younger. And a little found bit out about younger. this movie from reading trivia is that originally David Fincher was planning on making this before he made seven. Uh, and then Brad Pitt became available and he was like, wait, what? Okay. Hang on. We're doing this. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and that's the reason why I saw this film was because seven was the first film I saw by Fincher. And then when this, I immediately became a fan of Fincher. And so when I heard this film was coming out, I said, I have to go see it. So uh, we'll get into uh, how we heard about the film and what we thought about it. And what? So uh, let's do that. Uh, so uh, let's start with you, Eric, since you are the one that chose this film. I am fairly certain I saw this in the theater when it came out, probably because of Michael Douglas's name. Um, Michael Douglas um is a comfort for me <laughs> he's he's not i he won an oscar for wall street but other than that he hasn't been like a a lauded actor um but there's, there's something about him that i really like and he usually chooses projects that i enjoy so if i see his name on something i'm pretty likely to check it out and i think that's how i ended up going to see the game um and of a Seeing a pretty great uh, suspense thriller, I guess you would call this. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, as, as I mentioned, I saw it at theaters um, my first time, and then I've seen it a handful of times since, usually every three or so years, it seems. Um, it, and, and maybe one of those times, uh, watch it like every night for five days, and, and my wife was thinking I'm weird. Um, but generally, um, not wrong. Yeah, well, uh, Michael Douglas uh, at this point was was like the leading man. You know, when when Hollywood would go to somebody, he was one of the people they would go to. Uh, he was huge uh, back then, where he had like seven or eight films where he was like a powerhouse, and um, and a good many of them uh, were considered classics. Uh, by today's standards, and maybe even uh, at uh, oh, I'm certain back in those days were considered great films and uh, Oscar nominated types. Most, even especially at, late '80s, you had Fatal Attraction and Wall Street within a, a year or two of each other. It was a really big one-two punch. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and he he was uh, um, huge. I mean, I've I've, been, I've liked them. Never, he was never one of my favorite actors, but I always liked him because I used to watch him on Streets of San Francisco uh, back when I was a kid because they used to play reruns of it uh, on like ABC or something in, after school. Um, and then uh, China Syndrome, 
uh, back then was like one of my Coma. favorite films. Coma, too. That was another good one, yeah. Um, and and then whatnot. And then then he became a, a leading man, as, as Mike mentioned, and uh, a powerhouse. Um, so, um, yeah, so I saw it at theaters, and um, it was got a great reviews, uh, Ebert and stuff. They all liked it. And um, I liked it, but I, I wasn't in love with it, even though I thought it was an interesting film and really cool. Uh, but um, it's one of those films for me, as I watch it more and more, I, I absolutely love it. This is a great film. Um, it almost was a couple of times chosen as a Dark Discussions episode by Eric where uh, we had it on polls where we give um, used listeners a, a chance to just pick a film and Eric would have this on the poll a few times and for some reason it didn't win but um, it's it's a great film um, there's some, some some things that you know that you have to have some special suspension of disbelief at point just for the fact of the chance of injuries of of people, never mind bystanders, that would happen if this actually occurred. But it is a concept that people have thought of before, and there's been other movies later that are horror that are kind of similar to this. Um, but it is uh, a great film. Um, another film, for both Fincher and Douglas, to uh, people to go look back at and say, uh, you know, to to for their career, I guess, uh, would be, you know, uh, feather in their cap type films. Uh, let's go to you, Mike. Yeah. I remember seeing this in theaters. Um, I really love seven. Uh, and while alien three, wasn't the greatest movie ever. I really took note of David Fincher's, uh, cinematography and direction in that film. Um, because the script wasn't his fault. Uh, so he was been on, had been on my radar for a while, and yeah, so he was still the hot up and comer as opposed to the established industry figure where he kind of is now. Um, I don't think this is his best work remotely, um, but I think it's probably better than Panic Room. So I don't know where you put this. This is and this is has the misfortune of being wedged between Seven and Fight Club, which might be his two most popular films and most enduring films. Uh, I know Zodiac has a, has a lot of love for it, but that's never hit the same public popularity, um, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I, this is a film that Gone I Gone Girl, too. Gone Girl. Don't forget Gone Girl. Yeah, I still I don't think it's up there. I don't think that's going to be the first one uh, that like when he if he died tomorrow, I don't think it's going to be the director of Gone Girl passed away. It's either going to be Fight Club or Seven is what's going to hit Social the headline. Network. Social, Network. Social Network could be up there, too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I think he pulls it off because he did seven. Uh, so, you know, he's willing to go dark, uh, cause you're kind of waiting for that. What's in the box moment. <laughs> and it does kind of go there and then it doesn't. Um, I will say this is one of those things where I enjoy it. Actually enjoy it less knowing the twist, because I think that the twist doesn't the, the, the story doesn't work if you know what the twist is, because I think it it just strains credulity a bit. I think don't, it's not to say it's a bad film, but when you get the best twists, you watch the film and you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I see this. I see that. I see the other thing. Ironically, a lot of this I was saying the other day with uh, when we reviewed Identity for Dark Discussions, where 
they the the twist could have not been the twist could have been something else entirely and it still would have worked i think that's the case here that the the whole twist could have been something else entirely and it still would have worked um and we'll talk more about that when we get into it on the off chance that people have not actually seen this film yet uh but i think it's a good choice for a film because it's not seven and it is not um fight club and it's not social network it's actually one of the films i think has gotten overlooked uh but i think it's i think it's a good one um i think the irony is that they wanted to get um clarice um jody foster jody foster i think for this film and they decided they didn't want to use a big star in a small role in such a small role and yet they still got sean penn in a also kind of small role probably an even smaller role uh which i kind of find funny um so, so and, jody foster was gonna play play which role the deborah i'm uh, guessing i think it was jody Kara foster. hunger okay um oh and the other thing by the way i don't, don't know how many people know this but michael douglas was also responsible for one flew over the cuckoo's nest because he was a producer on He's that producer film. That's, that is correct um mm-hmm. and not not one of those put my name on it and to get me to star in the film he was like actually somebody really involved in, in getting that film made. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. The only thing I don't like about him is my wife loves him way too much. Um, <laughs> don't be jealous. Uh, no, no, I'm going to have to punch him if I ever see him. No, it's, um, <laughs> yeah. And it's, and I mean, other films like, uh, I forgot more mentioning the stone. That was huge in the eighties. Uh, it's one of those weird films that was huge at the time it came out and nobody knows it anymore. Um, yeah, Falling he was, down. He was, Falling down. Uh, did you say Basic Instinct? You said Basic. Oh, you forgot that one too. Basic Instinct. Oh yeah, I forgot Basic Instinct. Or the Roses. That was an awesome yep. one. Uh, Ironically, directed by Danny DeVito, that he helped get his career start with by casting him in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Right. Oh, and and then don't forget uh, uh, Wonder Boys, Traffic. Those are all great films. Yeah. Like I said, he usually chooses projects I end up enjoying. Right. And I think that's the thing. Like, I am not one typically to say, and I know some people are like this, oh, my God, so-and-so made a movie. I love so-and-so. It has to be good. Well, No, no it doesn't. Uh, a lot of good actors end up in shitty things. But there are certain actors, when they're big enough to choo- pick and choose their projects, some of them pick and choose really well. You know, Tom Hanks was another one, you know, that he usually picks quality products. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Michael Douglas is another, uh, unlike, and then eventually to get to the point like Bruce Willis, where they, they do whatever they can to cash a paycheck, mm-hmm. uh, or Liam Neeson or, um, Michael Caine, you know, or, or Nicholas Cage. Uh, but there's a few that are really good. It's not so much that I, um, I'll see because I like them, but it's, well, uh, yeah, but I'll Robert see them. Stuff. has done some stinkers over the last 20 years. Oh yeah. yeah that's for sure. But because they will pick good projects, it's not necessarily because they're in it that I go see it, but because they generally pick good things. And uh, Douglas is is pretty far up there. Yeah, sure. Especially during his heyday run there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even his his lesser, uh, the films that were pumped up big that um, weren't as good as people had hoped, like uh, the. Um, uh, what is it? Red Red Rain or Black Rain? I think it was called. That was Black Rain. Rain. Yeah, that was which has gotten a bit of a, a, a acclaim afterwards. I think it's gotten some recognition after. 
I don't yeah. know if I've ever seen that. Yeah, it's really the cinematography for that film is, is really really cool. Um, and then um, uh, was he in Disclosure? Was that was it? yeah? He was in Disclosure. That was a pretty yeah. Good that film. was another good one. With Demi yeah. That was the uh, Michael Crichton yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that they, the the one with Whistley Snipes where we were all worried about losing out the the entire economy to the Japanese instead of the Chinese. No, no, that was that was the Red Rain one, the Black Rain one. The one. No, with no, no. Whistley this Snipes. was. Yeah, yeah. The, the, your Disclosure was one with. Demi Moore. Oh, you know, well, they both with... they both had something to do with Japan or something, right? Didn't they? I okay, remember. something like that. I don't. Know, maybe I'm getting yeah. them mixed up. It's been a while. No, you know, disclosure was the was the uh, the techno the sexual throw. harassment one. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. And then okay, the one about Japan was the was uh, Black Rain. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So anyway, um, all right. So uh, we give our thoughts on the film. So uh, let's go in. It's, it is uh, the 25th anniversary of the film uh, in September, which is kind of interesting. Do you, know, do you know why it's the 25th anniversary of the film? Because it happened 25 years ago? Because it happened 25 years ago and because we're old. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mike, despite all your hemming and hawing about it but not being David Fincher's best film, it, it was good enough to get a Criterion edition. So there's so yeah, best for it. Oh, yeah, I've always no, considered it. One of his best. I, I put it right there with Fight Club and Seven, and I also put Gone Girl with it too. Even though you didn't, you said you wouldn't like. But I, I, in terms I, of in terms of what he's going to be remembered for, I don't think that's going to be up there. I, and I like Gone Girl a lot, but I don't think it's going to be. Oh, that know, one, the, that one got nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. I understand. I just don't know that it's it's people are remembering it quite the same. I, it's huh. a weird thing. I just the, what what yeah. things actually latch on and sustain. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it's it's no. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm. It's look saying it's it's one of David Fincher's lesser films. Oh, is it's saying not, it's no. way better than anything Udo Kier ever made. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, you you have to. You're, we're grading on a curve here. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. And and Fincher's got a got a got a fairly unforgiving curve because his his best are really really yeah. good it's you well, know, sort of like um well it's kind of funny when, when uh when we started the podcast fincher and doug lyman were like my two favorite directors you know and, and then since then both of them have gone and done other stuff like producing or something but but they were he fincher was like huge back when we first started the podcast but you were about to compare him to another director mike uh, like Chris Nolan, right? Chris Nolan, you know, I'll, I'll probably watch his worst film before I'll watch the best of a whole lot of others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Eric, do we have a wiki? Wiki, wiki. After a wealthy San Francisco banker is given an opportunity to participate in a mysterious game, his life is turned upside down as he begins to question if it might be if it might really be a concealed conspiracy to destroy him. All right, that's uh sounds fine. I'm, I'm okay with that, I guess. Yeah. Um now uh folks who are new to the podcast or just curious or even if you're not new, uh, basically what we do here on Cinema a la Carte is that we not only review films, but we re- review, but critique and dissect. So we'll talk about everything, anything when we throw up the spoiler alert, uh, including uh, spoilers. So uh, we'll want everybody at that point uh, before we do. Um, and as Mike said, there, there's some twists 
uh, in this film uh, that are huge. Uh, but then again, uh, it is a 25-year-old film, uh, so we're assuming most people have seen the film and won't have to shut off the podcast and go watch the film and then come back. Uh, but if you have it or you prefer to, you can always do that. Uh, but you will be warned when we do throw up the spoiler alert. Um, before also, that, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you think you might enjoy this film, if you like David Fincher, if you like Michael Douglas, if you like Cheyenne Penn, and you think you might want to watch this movie, I feel confident recommending that you just blind buy the Criterion release on Blu-ray. Because um, it's a high-quality release. <laughs> so, yeah, it looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic. It's got a cool little booklet in it. Uh, it's got a couple commentary tracks and some extra features on it. So if you're into that kind of thing, uh, definitely, definitely throw down for the Criterion release. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Um, it, oh, and the quality—it's—it's it's beautiful. Uh, Dude, watching this on my OLED, holy crap! Yeah, it looks it, like it was—it looks like it was shot yesterday. Yeah, and 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 like a lot of the scenes are incredibly dark, uh, which is what OLED televisions do really well. Um, so it just looked beautiful when I revisited it yesterday. Indeed. Uh, uh, yeah, and I watched it this morning uh, before work, uh, since I usually get up early anyway. Um, all right, so uh, we talked about uh, things that are general to the film or the careers of the people before we get into the spoilers, and we've kind of already done that a little bit. Uh, Eric just mentioned um, the hard disk version of the film. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Fink, Fitcher and and Douglas. Um and we've talked about uh, the other films that both Fincher and Douglas have participated in. Uh, so uh, what do we want to talk about that's just general stuff, non-spoilery? That would be something to talk about. I, well, we'll talk about a couple of things I picked up because uh, I did have a chance to, to put on the commentary track today. Uh and it's not my type. It's not my favorite type of commentary track, which, which is they switch back and forth between people. Um, and you know, there's the like the announcer who says David Fincher, uh, and, and David says something, and then uh, cinematographer blah blah blah, and then he says something. Uh, however, I did pick up some interesting tidbits listening to that. One is that apparently there were substantial changes made to this script um, yes, at the true. direction of David Fincher. Uh, apparently, this script was initially much lighter and actually had quite a bit of humor in it. Um, like uh, the main character doing like slapstick bits while getting chased by the bad guys. Um, and there was a romantic subplot between him and the character that ended up being played by Deborah Kerr Unger. Um, and David Fincher just said no to all that. <laughs> <laughs> and and David, was David some, Fincher's some really smart man. decisions. Yeah, this is yeah. we've we've discussed this in the past. This is the problem with script credits. Uh, you know, so when you say there's these guys who wrote Catwoman and the game, you're like, how do they make that into this? And sometimes <laughs> it's a matter of you get really like, which could happen with something like Catwoman, right? You got Halle Berry. It's a superhero property. You could easily see how the studio fucked around with that and um, and maybe made it a, a terrible film. 
Or on the other hand, maybe it started out as a terrible film and this was the film that 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 was fixed. Um, so you always have to be careful when judging a, a screenplay because you don't know really whose hands are really involved and and, mm-hmm. and who finally did what with it. <clears throat> Another change that was made to the movie is that apparently um, I'm going to be careful here because I, I could accidentally spoil something. Uh, but um, um, originally the character that's played by Sean Penn um, was just an old college friend um, and not his brother. Uh, and I think making it be his brother brings a whole lot of uh, weight to the movie. That wouldn't yeah. be there otherwise. Especially since it's a, it goes, it, it's a, the, the whole motivation for the film or for the mm-hmm. that ties into the character is a family thing. Uh-huh. So the fact that you 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 continue to tie it to the family, I mm-hmm. think just makes sense. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And you said that yeah. well without revealing the spoiler. I was also trying not to reveal. <laughs> it was <What>? aliens. <laughs> it was the greatest film. Uh, not well, really. it wasn't not those aliens. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I do remember now. I completely forgot about that, but I do remember uh, reading when it came out back in '97. Um, it's all coming back to me that I remember people were talking about how the script was changed because back in those days, I used to read uh, reviews a lot. Uh, uh, Ebert and and uh, Claudia Plig, I think her name was from USA Today, and, and a couple of other people, and. Um, and this film, since it was by Fincher and, and he had just done seven and, and, you know, he's the big, big shot at the time, as you said, up and comer, Mike, um, he, he, it was getting a lot of notice. And then, of course, back in those days, entertainment wasn't as fractured. So when a, well, and it was also almost pre-Internet. That's, Not that's quite, what I mean, but yeah. close. Exactly. So the audience wasn't fractured. So you didn't have video games. You didn't have 500 different television shows that you didn't even know existed until someone mentions it to you. Um, and on and on. So when a movie like this came out, people were talking about it. And I do remember that they talked about how the script was not exactly the same as what it was originally. And for those who didn't like the film or were just lukewarm with it, um, that was a, a, a topic for them. And now again, the film has around 80% good reviews. So, so we're only talking, you know, one fifth of reviewers that, that did, had issues with the film, but those reviewers, when they did talk about it, were talking about that script thing. So that was actually fairly big news for anybody who was actually a film geek like me, who was actually reading the reviews and articles about the movie when it first came out. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up, Eric. I completely forgot about that. One of the other funny things from the commentary is they keep on mentioning the laser disc release. <laughs> oh, so this is an archival commentary. Yeah, I think they recorded this right after the movie came out. Gotcha. But it's always interesting. I like a lot of um, discs that do. They keep the archival ones because, you know, why force somebody to keep the 20 year old Blu-ray or, or DVD uh, right. at the same time, we'll also do something new because I, I think one thing I always hate is when they, they clearly have recorded a release, a, a commentary track, 
before the movie came out. And so they have no idea what the audience response is going to be. (laughs) Right. Right. And now sometimes that's for the good. Sometimes that's for the, for the bad. Like, you know, that's like, sometimes it's a movie that the audience has hated and, and they're talking about how great the film is and how wonderful they think it's going to do. And you're like going, no, no, it's not going to happen. They're going to absolutely hate that character and that actor and that role. And, uh, and other times there's things that just, you know, take people by surprise and catch on. And again, they can't address that. Like, why did such and such turn into Why did this become everybody's favorite scene? And it's what's nice to see. The nice thing about the immediate stuff is they remember everything. Right. But there's no perspective. Um, <laughs> I, like, I like those retrospectives. Um, the worst ones are the ones where they say, and this is the scene where I walked up the stairs. <laughs> right. I remember walking up the stairs that day. I had to walk up the stairs a hundred times. <laughs> right. Yeah, boring stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the, this this is a criterion, as you said, Eric, and it has extras and all that other good stuff. Um, so if you're definitely a fan of this film, you should you should check it out. I, I did check all those extras out uh, a couple of years ago or when, when the disc came out. I think it was like two years ago or something like that. Um, but I didn't revisit them today um, because, again, I I, um, I didn't revisit all of them. Just commentary. Gotcha. I did rewatch the uh, alternate ending. And oh, uh, talk I'm about not, that I'm later. Not, yeah, I'm not saying don't watch the alternate ending. Uh, I am going to say yeah, that you, is. you don't, you you don't miss anything if you don't watch the alternate ending. <laughs> OK. Yeah, you have to tell me what it was, because I remember watching it when it first came on the disc a couple of years ago, but I, I forgot all about it. So, yeah, I'll be curious what it is. It's a thing. Right. I remember another Michael Douglas movie, uh, The Perfect Murder. Okay. And it came out on DVD when DVD was the brand new shiny format. And it was impossible to get a hold of at the Blockbuster for quite a while because it had the alternate ending and everybody wanted to rent it to see the alternate ending. Uh, interesting. Yeah. World. Yeah. And that was when you had to pay a hundred dollars for a disc because they purposely did that because they had deals with uh, Blockbuster and video com- uh, rental companies. So you wouldn't have your own copy. You would have to go through those companies. To, oh, I remember that it. was huge when uh, Ghost came out in 1990. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> because and because that was like the biggest hit of the summer, and everybody yeah. wanted it. Because I think the year before Batman had come out, and it just went that Christmas street to retail for that, 1999. That's right. And and everybody was wanting. It was like a hundred dollars. Why is it a hundred dollars? There's a hundred dollars for Ghost and like a hundred dollars for Infrared October. It's like because that's the best. That's the the blockbuster price, you know, yeah, because right. they're being billed for resale, you know, for rental. And unless you're planning on renting it, I would just wait six months and you'll be able to get it at the store for twenty five bucks. But you know, people <laughs> being people, they don't understand how yeah. those things work. Yeah, that was what, that way with with VHS tapes too. Not yeah. on discs. Yeah. yeah, that that was it. That was, those were the VHSs. So you weren't so. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you weren't getting any extras. You all you got was the piracy warning at the beginning, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else that uh, we want to discuss uh, that's general 
Uh, well, I think the, the film, Eric said, looks great, especially if you have a good TV with nice black levels. <laughs> film looks great. The performances are really good. A lot of yeah. uh, character actors in it, in addition to uh, Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. Sean Penn. And even Deborah, um, what the hell's her name? Deborah Kara Unger. Yeah, she was kind of one of those it girls there for a few films. And she never broke out to become a superstar, but she was still you know, recognizable. And I even think she got some TV roles too. So she was kind of big too, but you're right. The, the film was obviously the two big names for just general audience. People just from advertisement would have been Douglas and Penn. And it is interesting how small Penn's role is. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of crucial and he knocks it out of the park. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. And, and, but, and, and the funny thing is that the character has to be a good actor too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of other uh, smaller roles uh, that are big character actors of that time. Uh, I know one of the two businessmen that he talks to at the the club, um, one of them I recognize from so many films, even though I don't even know the guy's name. Obviously, James Redhorn was... was huge in the sense that everybody knew him and has seen him and could recognize him even if they didn't know his name. Um, obviously uh, actually a, a great characteristic for his particular part in this movie too. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, huge. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great point. Uh, and then Carol Baker obviously was, was huge back in the sixties and early seventies, especially in Europe. Um, and uh, she was in like Jallos and all that. Tommy Flanagan and Spike Johns and um, um, whatever that, that uh, Mark Boone Jr. So it's a lot of guys that were were doing smaller roles that that would go on to do bigger stuff later. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, Mike. There's, there's a lot of a lot of folks. Oh, and I gotta they, wonder. They, sure. Yeah, I I I. I, I I remember when I watched it, I go, I wonder if that guy is real. Because back in those days, I just there was only really one station that you could get readily, and that was CNN. And that was when CNN was still CNN. So it was, you know, like Bernard Shaw and uh, Peter Arnett and Catherine Pryor. And, and it was really good news back then. Um, but then I looked it up, and Daniel Shaw, who wasn't on CNN, but he was on, like, a business network, and it was really him. He was. This was, like, one of the first times I ever saw – uh, a, a person that was playing themselves doing a role of themselves for a film. So that was kind of interesting. Well, and they were, they talked about that on a commentary and about how um, just the day before somebody had released a newspaper article um, criticizing people in media for taking roles in movies and specifically named him as an example um, yeah, because he was like the first, one of the first. One. Well, and contact. and apparently this guy didn't he didn't understand what the part was going to entail. He didn't realize that there was going to be this whole back and forth uh, happening, and so he was he was completely unprepared when he went when when he showed up and it was it was like totally freaking out, but then managed to pull it off. Yeah, yeah, he, he sure did. Um, but you're right, Mike. Yeah, Contact was another one, which I saw at theaters uh, on a, on a date. I remember, and um, that that was another one that that had some some of that too. Um, 
Oh, and the Devil's Advocate. Remember the uh, Diamato? Senator Diamato was in it and stuff. Yeah. So there was a few of them that did that back then. Um, uh, what else did we want to discuss, uh, Mike? You were you were about to say something when me and Eric were, went on that Daniel Shaw topic. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, right. I think it was probably related to that anyway. Um, anything else anybody wanted to bring up? All right, I guess with that, um, I guess we're ready to get into spoilers. So we'll throw up the spoiler alert. Um, so folks have been warned, and now we can just pretty much talk about everything and anything. Obviously, we're not going to do scene by scene because you know it's a uh, you can just watch the film or, whatever, or watch it with the director's commentary. But uh, we're here to talk about the cool stuff. Yes. Good stuff. So if you're interested in it, go watch it now because uh, I guarantee. This is, this is there are movies where spoilers don't really matter and movies where spoilers do matter, and this is one where it really does matter. So go watch a movie before you listen to the rest of this. Indeed, indeed. Yep. I did catch one thing later in the film, and we'll, I'll get to it when we talk about it. That gives you hints that it's that uh, things are suspicious. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it, or it could just be a mistake. Uh, and I caught a mistake, but I don't think it was. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, so, uh, all right, what do we want to talk about? Uh, basically, we can do the setup. Basically, uh, there's this uh, guy named Nicholas Van Orden who runs a, uh, a capital gains company or something, some sort of company like that. And uh, he was born Silver Spoon, so he's never experienced uh, normal middle class or poor uh, poverty like our parents and grandparents and ourselves have experienced. Uh, so he's, he's, you know, an elite to, uh, to the, to the tens. Um, basically, he's Ebenezer Scrooge. Basically. Yeah. 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 yeah actually, I take that back. Scrooge is, Scrooge actually did experience poverty, didn't he? When he was young. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But, but basically like Scrooge, something in his younger years, um, has has made uh, brought carried over personal demons and inner demons to their adult life, uh, or older adult life, or middle age for that matter. Because again, we're talking about Michael Douglas, who's playing a character that's actually younger than all of us uh, at this point. Yeah, that was depressing. That was, yeah. That yeah. was fucking depressing. Yeah. Yeah. That Michael was Douglas is playing a guy who's having his midlife crisis, who's. At- 48. 48 years old. <laughs> yeah. And I am three yeah. years past that, closing up on four. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, God. But um, that was an interesting thing, Mike, that you brought up Ebenezer Scrooge, but because it is kind of an awakening of a person from their personal demons and trying or, or unintentionally breaking out of this demon that's followed them their entire life or a good portion of their life to become a better person. Um, and, and I, I, I know that, uh, you guys have said in the past, who hasn't, who isn't damaged? Everybody's damaged. And, you know, I always <laughs> no, never believed it because I say, ah, it's all just first world problems, but, um, well, but I know it is, but it is. Yeah. I mean, compared to some problems. Yeah. But, but again, personal, you know, demon, the crack whore, that's, that's a bigger problem than, you know, I didn't yeah. get the pony I wanted for my 12th birthday. Yeah. 
But well, uh, to be fair, but, his dad did jump off the fucking roof. Well, I'm not saying I'm, I'm talking in general, but yes, this, this <laughs> right, right. But, but 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 also, you, you can't you can't. Everybody takes things differently, and and things that right. shatter people um, are real to them, even if they're not like you said, a crack whore or, or, or someone right. uh, in, a, in a Christian church in Nigeria that just had their family wiped out. So it's, it, it is, it is uh, something that is true and legit. Even if, you know, other people say, Oh, suck it up. It's, it's, it's not that bad, big a deal. It's happened to other people. And I, w- I want to expand on this point for a moment. Um, which is that we get uh, Sean Penn and Michael Douglas, who are brothers, um, and we have some some it's it's shown as old home movies. Um, but it's also when Michael Douglas is having flashbacks, it shows as the same style. So it's kind of an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. And and basically his dad was was really rich and one day jumped off the roof. And nobody really understood why, like his, his family hadn't been concerned about it. Um, he just did it one day. Um, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. That's, that, Please I, I was just going to say, so, so basically at that point, Michael Douglas became the responsible one and Sean Penn was always screwing around. And so we get this dynamic between the two of them where Sean Penn has always been just gallivanting around, living his life, doing drugs, screwing horse, whatever he wants to do, getting in trouble. And Michael Douglas has been the responsible one uh, and is worth like $600 million or something as an investment banker and uh, is buttoned up way too tight. Uh, <laughs> never. He doesn't have any hobbies. He doesn't do anything fun. It's all just about money, 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 money. Um, and so that's. I think it's. It's. Well, and they don't spend a lot of screen time setting up this dynamic, but they still manage to get it in front of you perfectly and well, tell you everything you need to know uh, about the relationship between these two brothers without. Uh, an incredible amount of exposition. And, and I want to add to that, add to that, interject that. What I want to add is, is that I think the two of them became the way they are because of the father's suicide. Absolutely. So, so one that became a part screw of the conflict up. they have later in the movie. Right. And also, um, you know, you said money, 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 but it's, it's not, really because of greed it's more well, i think his crutch. It, he also just wants to isolate himself yeah yeah exactly it's, it's his he, he makes that comment to his secretary or I, I i forget exactly how it was phrased but something along the lines of um you, uh, i guess you don't under, appreciate being a part of society so you can avoid it <laughs> so there's something along those lines because right, she's listing right. off all those events he's been invited to, and he's just like, nope, 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 nope. Right, right. And, um, and to be you know, honest, I, I, I can't blame him because, I mean, if and you're, and you're in his position and you have to sit through dinners or, or speeches for like three hours every day, I, I couldn't do it. I, I, <laughs> my ADHD, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Anyway, Mike, you insist. I was going to say, it's also important. I'm, it's not just that the father died. It's that he sees his father commit suicide. Right. 
Um, if, if assuming that the home videos, which weirdly that you know that somebody was taking home video, was father committing suicide. Um, <laughs> I think those home, are meant to be his memories. Yeah, assuming that they are an accurate representation, uh, he sees his father jump off the roof. Right, and and one of the reasons this is significant is that this is his birthday. Is when yep. this starts. It is his forty eighth birthday, and that yep. is the uh, the the age that his father was when his father died. Damien, um, it's all for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, continue. So, yeah. So it's um yeah. So you can understand it doesn't play well. I, I thought it was a lovely moment where uh, it, it, as a well, it's not a lovely moment in terms of an endearing moment. It was a really nice moment in the film where he's in his office with his executive assistant, you know, whoever that is, whatever her actual title is, whoever his main person is, and they're going over some paperwork. And a second rung secretary comes in yeah, the to tell him coming. to tell him to to tell him about Seymour Butts <laughs> or whatever. No, it was. No. Oh no, that was, it was and he's and he and he dismissed her. Then she's she, she says, turns around birthday. to. His, Happy birthday, and it's the, the executive assistant who says thank you. Um, I think he has... Yeah, and then under his breath, he goes, I don't like her. I mean, yeah. he, he, you know, like he's going to fire her or something. Because she, yeah, he for, the first, yeah. for the first 20 minutes or so of the film, Michael Douglas basically has one expression on his face, which I would call stink eye. Um, that's like he just, he's just a sourpuss the entire time. Um, there's, there's a reason for it. It is amazing to me how... We as an audience, or at least me, I, you know, I can speak for myself, can give a shit about this guy because at the beginning of the film, he is just such an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helps that we know that we we see him as a kid, but that doesn't always do it. It helps that we we understand that his father killed himself in front of him. There's a Charles again, Foster Kane, basically. Yeah, I just, but he's I, he's just a dick. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah. but you do, and maybe it's just because it's Michael Douglas, right? And we like Michael Douglas by this point, mm-hmm. you know, assuming you know who he is, because you know, kids go look him up. Um, so well, and it uh, might just be he, his natural charisma that allows him to pull it off. Yeah, and it might be because he does play a lot of times fairly surly characters, but can do it in a way that's charismatic. But, but even even when he's 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 negative. It's it's more negative about himself and his own life and not the people really around him. So it's not like he's really mean oh, to anybody. Well, I don't when he when he hate when he hates the woman when he criticizes the woman for wishing him a happy birthday, um, and he can't even find it in himself but, to say thank you. Uh, but but yeah. but, but, but but there's a reason we find out right because he, it's the same. It's his birthday, which. Is tainted because of his father's death. Never yeah. mind that. It's also his 48th birthday, which was the exact same age his father was when his father suicided. So yeah. today's birthday is weighing on him even more than any other birthday. And never a birthday is going to be happy for someone that has that memory. So I, I, I think. Yeah, I think, but I still think. You know, and he know, said there's... it under his breath. He didn't. He didn't say it. Say I understand like that, but at the same time, you know, is it really that hard just to give a an, a, a 
a plate, thank you, uh, you know, well, and, and, and let her go, I, as opposed to let your secretary do it? Well, I would originally agree, Mike, if this was like a couple of years ago, but I've had my inner demons deck came up to haunt me the past year, and, you know, you, you just don't know how some people are going to be when oh, there's there, like there's that. always a reason you know? for it, but as again, as as an audience, but you're member, right. He could have sucked it up and just said thank you and and right. and moved on. You're absolutely right. But I also say like with Michael Douglas, usually if you take a role like Gordon Gecko, uh, he's an asshole, but he still has some like slimy reptilian charm about him. Here, he's got nothing. He is, I mean, I, other than whatever Michael Douglas normally is, he's a he is a really buttoned down. Man. Well, you know, I, 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 there's two things. One, I could relate to him because of his inner demon and his melancholy. The thing I couldn't relate to him was that he was a silver spoon person. So, for whatever reason, his depression didn't come off to me as anger. Like, I, it may have for you, maybe? I don't know. No, I mean, it's it doesn't, I mean, not as angry, but just as a sourpuss, right? And, yeah. um, you know, and I'm not saying this about you, uh, but I'm saying, like, you mentioned the Silver Spoon bit. Um, yeah. I, I just, I've seen people, when they review a film, like, if a character's wealthy, they just can't get around it. I've seen people on uh, the, the Better Call Saul Facebook page that I go to. They, like, there are just certain characters that they hate, and you realize after a while the reason they hate certain characters is not because of what the characters have done in the show, or it's just because they're wealthy and successful characters. And so right. they just assume they must be an asshole. Right. Um, but but a lot I of people bring baggage with them onto stuff like that. And when it comes to that, people, you know, either they're, if they're born wealthy, that's not, they had no more control over that than someone who was born poor. And, uh, you know, I don't consider either one to be something to be inherently proud well, of. Well, and and that's that's what what I was saying with with the character as a sourpuss. I think, as you said, Eric, the character we get a lot of background of the character, so I can empathize with the the sadness. So, you know, it's not just like why is he a dink? Like, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you learn a little bit slowly, like like Scrooge. Or Charles Foster Kane, but you you learn right off the bat that it appears that his father suicided. So right there, you know, okay, this kid's gonna be this guy's gonna be damaged his entire life if you're like eight years old and you see that happen. Well, but to to Mike's point, you don't really see him as a good guy at the beginning of the movie, and um. Because he, he's he's so buttoned down and so serious, um, just concerned about his meetings and his dinners and his and 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 managing the empire that he inherited from his father, right? And when Sean Penn shows up, and he's obviously the screw up, and Michael Douglas resents him for having fun. <laughs> you know, I thought it was more for embarrassment. Well, yeah. that too. Probably both. Uh, but yeah. but you know, like I think they make a crack about rehab. He's been in rehab. 
because uh, he's 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 running around having fun. In which college? And that is why his brother gets him the game because he sees this about his brother and whatever conflicts they may have, they're still brothers. They still love each other. And he realizes that if Nicholas Van Orton plays this game, it might break something in him to the point where he'll be able to enjoy life a little bit more from that point. And and also in the bigger picture or the symbolic picture or the screenwriter and director point, it also is the thing that will make him overcome his personal demons that he's been carrying since he's six years old. Yes. Yes. Because of the climactic moment. Right. Absolutely. And I should point out, he's wearing um, his watch, which yes. his father, the, right, he's wearing a gold watch, which is his father's gold watch, which yeah. it says his, it was given to him on his 18th birthday by his mom. His mom. Mm-hmm. So this is a thing that he is literally it is, that is the <laughs> that is the that is the the literary idea of the, the symbol of the thing that he's to show that he really is carrying the weight of his father's memory around with him wherever he goes. Uh-huh. Right. Right, and he's yeah. 48, so he's been carrying that watch up his ass for 30 years. <laughs> right, that is true. That is true. well played. That was awesome, well Mike. <laughs> that that one, that one was almost as good as the Damien one. So um, it's not a competition, but anyway. So yeah, it's, it's so that's a nice touch because that plays into the the story later. Um, yeah. I think, though, kind of like our identity thing, uh, I said this is probably this is movie theater therapy. I don't think this is the right. <laughs> don't do, sure. don't try this right. in real life. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I like to say that um, there's one point in the film, in the middle of the film, when he's he's talking about his father to Il- Ilsa, the played by Carol Baker, um, the, the the caretaker, uh, and said, and it, and it made me for a moment think maybe it's not just the loss of his best friend and the man that he loved and admired. But then he says, he was talking about how at 48 and being depressed, would he do the same as his father? Meaning would he suicide? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that made me wonder, okay, so is it even more than the loss and seeing of what happened, but also hit, it's it also is him too. There's something in him that makes him feel that just like how his father was felt at 48, because the father, unlike him, had more to live for. Because at 48, he had a family, he had a wife that loved him. Because his, mm-hmm. you know, the, Ilsa even says in that same conversation that the mother absolutely adored her her husband and didn't even know that he was sad because he held it in. So. If if the father could do it and was sad, you know, he had the happy face outside, but inside something was wrong. Would this happen to Michael Douglas, who has nothing to live for? Quote, and I say that in quotes because, you know, he doesn't have children. He doesn't have a wife anymore. He doesn't have anything around him that. So he's should be even happier. Yeah. I mean, right, well, it's also, well, the, well, the well, only thing that he has has responsibility <laughs> over are are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of retirement funds, as he says, but that's all, um, you know, 
like like Stalin's phrase where you know you know you kill one person it's a tragedy but if you kill a million people it's a t- statistics so unlike a child that you have or a, or a wife that you have or or a, a parent that you have to care for those pension funds it, at least he's trying to pretend to himself that I'm protecting these people and I'm helping them but again they're just statistics they're not real like he was to his father but it's also but it is also though taking a responsibility for other people it is doing it in a in, in, in a very impersonal way you know he's not a doctor or nurse um but or or, or whatever a fireman you know he's well, dealing it, with and, well and he doesn't he doesn't meet any of these people they're just they're just retirement funds they're, they're statistics no, but but right. later on in the movie that comes up when uh the scene where he gets a flat tire and, and his brother freaks out on him. Uh, he's trying to chase him down and Conrad turns around and says, you're not my father. Nobody ever asked you to be. And, and he screams back at him. Did I have any choice? Um, basically referring to the fact that after his father killed himself, he was the man of the house and he was really put in that position without any, without any choice. Uh, and has has become the responsible one, um, just out of that necessity. Right. Well, and you know, it's terrible too about that situation for him was okay. He has to be responsible now for his brother, but just like his brother, who's all fucked up and devastated of the loss of their father, he is too. But he and he also has this responsibility. Right. And so basically, he has this responsibility, and he's fucked up as well. Yes. Right. And it's something to say, like we we I, I don't know the, the the complete history of research into depression. Uh we've we've certainly come a lot further along in terms of accepting and understanding depression in the last uh, twenty five years uh than than we had before. Uh but even then they knew like there was a genetic component to depression. Right. So Thanks, that that, that could affect Yeah. You know, what do you get from dad? I inherited six hundred million dollars and suicidal depression. Yay. Um, but that could also just as easily apply to Sean Penn's character, who may have just been choosing a different way to kill himself. Right. Yeah. Um, so because a lot of times when people are abusing, you know, sometimes people are abusing just because they are uh, weak willed and like a good time. And right. that happens. Um, that's not not uh, not condemning. It is a thing. We all have our, our crosses to bear. Uh, not everyone is just covering up a deep pain. But, you know, he had to live with his father committing suicide, too. Um, exactly. And that, and this is just how he chose to handle it. Um, I, 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 right. I think it's funny because it is it is sort of a uh, a trope. Right. Is that the older brother or the older sibling? It doesn't necessarily have to be the brother is usually the responsible one, right? That mm-hmm. feels the burden in a situation like that. And the younger ones are more, uh, or don't have that responsibility. And I think that that kind of gets to this. So this is what we see in the, in the brothers that the one becomes the well, care for and, and I can just say from experience that it, it happens because uh, my parents got divorced when I was pretty young uh, and me and my brothers are all five years apart. My older brother is five years older. My younger brother is five years younger. So when my dad left, my older brother very much became a father figure to my younger brother. Um, and that was just something that happened. 
Yeah, and, and, and those th- things do happen, um, you know, and um, in a situation like this, um, the, for these two brothers here, um, you know, it's 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 going to shatter both of them, even if one has to pick up the responsibility. And the thing that's interesting, too, and I liked about this film is, is that they just had the Sean Penn character, um, which was Conrad Von Orden, um, be a prodigal son rather than a complete fuck up um, because they could have gone really and had him like as an addict or homeless or, you know, or they could have gone any route because anybody who had something like this happen to them as a kid that snaps um, could have gone even worse. But fortunately they just showed him as a punk slash fuck up rather than uh total um, skid row. And I'm, I'm glad they, they went this route instead because um, if they had gone that other route, it would have took away from the main story point, which was getting them out of being messed up. And and the thing is, is with with um, Conrad, he's been two years since he's seen his brother, and in that two years, he is seems to have uh, straightened out his life completely. So, and but 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 our well, lead character Nick doesn't know, right? Yeah, exactly. And Nicholas doesn't even know. He just assumes his, his brother's a fuck up and his brother uh, isn't anymore, but he just assumes it, you know, because mm-hmm. he, they hadn't seen each other for two years. And like you said, the game uh, was his, I guess, awakening or, or healing thing for Conrad. And so that's why he got it for Nicholas to have Nicholas do it. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I think. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? No, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, now I do wonder, I mean, obviously they, they both come from a loaded family. Uh, I do wonder where he got the money because the thing that he's buying is not going to be cheap. Um, <laughs> right. Well, that's why they have that fun line at the end, right? He, he goes, you want me to split it? He goes, oh, thank God. Thank you, man. That was awesome. I like that. <laughs> right. oh, yeah, that was nice. But even yeah. so, like, uh, I, I just, I just can't imagine how much something like that would cost. Um, yeah. and he doesn't know. I'm, Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm looking at this and thinking now the brother, um, the brother is a fuck up. Right. And that's what he thinks of his brother. Uh, When he comes to see him, he thinks he needs money or he thinks he needs something. So either. So his brother must be doing something to get money. Um, (laughs) And he's clearly not keeping uh, keeping tabs on what his brother is doing because his brother must be. Well, and he says that somewhere. See, see the, the the screenplay, whether it was rewritten or not, is pretty strong because they have lines. You know, we always complain about all they had to do was add this one line and it would have, would have got rid of all the questions. They have those one lines in this film because they have uh, Sh- uh, Sean Penn say, say, oh, so you haven't been, been uh, following me and, and watching over me these last two years like you used to? He goes, no, I haven't. And then... Uh, so you haven't, so you don't know anything about me. No, I haven't. And so, and all all those lines, they're they're there. So it all makes sense at the end that the brother isn't the fuck up that we thought he was because, you know, um, if they didn't have those one not those lines, it would be like he would have known that his brother had cleaned up his life and he would have fallen for it and he would, you know, but but um, they have the line. So the I well, just, but I I, I think uh, I don't remember who was saying uh, listening to as a director. I was saying that sometimes you, you know, you have to go back and edit because you have to make things clear to the audience. 
But then sometimes you have to recognize your audience is smart and they don't need everything spelled out for them. Uh, and so I don't mind that that's because I think we can figure that out, right? We can get the sense from who we, from what's going on that he's just not heavily involved in what's going on with his brother. Um, it did, but it does make me curious, but it's not the brother's life and it's not the brother's story that we're dealing right. with here. Right. Well, and it's easy enough to imagine that he has a trust fund. So. Yeah. Although I, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. A trust fund. Yeah. I, I would have expected him to have burned through it given his. Uh, yeah, but it could, it could have been one of those things that uh, a certain amount of money per life, per year for the rest of your life. Yeah. But, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I'm point. thinking it would be. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so let's, let's uh, give a little idea of the plot. It, um, basically, we, we talked about, you know, the, the brothers and why they are the way they are and, and the history of the family. Um, so what happens is we mentioned it was his 48th birthday, the same age his father died and his brother um shows up to give him his birthday gift and it's uh a little card with a phone number for a company called consumer recreational services and um he says it's a game and and you know go yeah but what is it he says, oh just call it it'll change your life forever you know so yeah first you're saying okay is this a scam or is it one of those cult things or is it whatever um but uh that's the gift Right. And that pretty much sets it up. And we don't know any more than Michael Douglas's character knows about the game. Uh, anything else we want to add to just set it up a little bit? No, that's it. Um, he goes in for, for testing, uh, which is a, kind of a fun scene. Well, uh, and it's because... great, too. They, they said, Mike, to, to interject before you continue about that scene is, is it's, he's not going to call, probably. And but what happens is when he goes into this office building that he has an appointment, the the company is in that office building. And since he's in the building, he goes, ah, oh, you know what? I might as well go and check this company out since I'm here because he's probably just going to toss the card away. So the, the, the game is set up perfectly. And then he overhears people at the club talking about the game and, and, and the company. And so things make him decide to do it because otherwise he wasn't, he's the type of guy that would never do this. So Were the anyway, people from the club in the, final scene yeah yeah they were in the final scene yep. so i have a feeling that they were just that they were plants they were they plants were... they were plants yes. that's what my point is that was yeah everything's a plant yeah well so and they may not have even i mean they may be club members people you would recognize and therefore trust their opinion but probably paid off to do to talk well, they were off. new members they were new members that's why he had never seen them before. Oh, okay. But 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 either way, because he goes, he says to the bartender, he goes, "Oh, we have some new members." He goes, "It seems so, sir." He goes, "All right, well, send them drinks." And, and he had already been talked to him because it was like um, it's one of those fancy uh, bar slash gym clubs, you know. Uh, and we've seen those in in the movie Philadelphia was another film that I saw that there were yeah. these gyms and then they also have restaurants and bars in them so it's for really just wealthy people. otherwise places places known as uh places that are too good for us that's right exactly so so yeah so you talk about that test so so since he he sees the company in the building that he has an appointment and he decides to go to their floor and and he meets uh, uh jim feingold uh, james raybond's character 
But anyway, you you were, you want to talk about that scene, Mike? Before you well, know, just yeah. saying that kind of covers up a multitude of sins and questions about um, could he handle the things that were going to happen to him? Oh, uh, how right. do we did they know that he was going to respond this way or that way? They go through a very extensive series of medical and psychological tests. Um, right. I, right. Some of which and, I'm pretty sure are bullshit, but that's whatever. It's a suspension <laughs> of disbelief. No, but yeah. uh, one of the things they mentioned during the commentary is that a lot of reviewers picked up on the fact that this was, uh, in fact, like a game and running on decision trees um, where they would figure out the different possible ways he could react to an event. And then if he did A, it would trigger that set of events. If he did B, it would trigger the other set of events. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And they had a pretty good chance of predicting how he'd react because of those tests. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, so it's funny too. And and the game is what it is because he originally gets a call back saying you you failed the test please don't be insulted thank you for trying to participate in whatever so he thinks the game's dead that right. he's not gonna you know and he even covers it up with his brother he goes oh I decided <laughs> not like, to do I've it. decided not to do it right okay <laughs> that was awesome um and then um I didn't want your stupid club anyway <laughs> right right exactly exactly um so uh, the the thing you mentioned, Mike, uh, suspension of disbelief, and you, you have to have it because there's some scenes that every time I rewatch the film and look back, it's like, okay, like when they, he jumps into the dumpster, what happens if he missed and he hit the side of the dumpster and he, he breaks his arm? Or when he and uh, Christine are fleeing Christine's house and they're going over the hills of San Francisco streets and there's a pedestrian just walking across the street and boom, he hits them. You know, so oh, yeah. it's a, lot, a lot of the stuff you have to. So it is a movie. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you, you have to do it. Um, I mean, you don't have to, um, but it's hard when you, for me knowing, and I didn't know much about the film. I've seen it twice before, maybe three times before rewatching it. I have not seen it in decades, probably. Um, I just picked up the Criterion release in order to review it for this podcast. But uh, I basically remembered it was Michael Douglas. I had completely forgotten Sean Penn was in it. Uh, <laughs> I knew it was Michael Douglas. I knew the, the quote-unquote game. Uh, I remember the Mexico. I remember the, the cab. Uh-huh. And I remember the very final reveal and mm-hmm. that was about it uh but i but since i did know the big thing is knowing that final reveal and so i i'm just watching it this whole time and going my god yeah there's so many ways this whole thing could go tits up um <laughs> and just a good good example of that is that he's got this bruise on his nose for after the the, the car goes down in the drink mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be hard for someone to just crack their head the wrong way when the car rolls over, right? Mm-hmm. And things go very badly. And I don't, I understand they say, you know, there were divers nearby. 
it's only so much divers can necessarily do. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. He, he was kind of an idiot too, because during that scene, he actually takes off his seatbelt right before right. he goes into the water. Up. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Right. right. So he doesn't have a seatbelt. And, and who says he was going to be carrying the crank with him? You know, I mean, obviously, well, like you said, they he would have had, right. had the divers. But, but again, right. Once he takes his seatbelt out, he could have cracked his head against a glass and, and been or, in a coma. Right. Or the big jump, he lands on a, lands on, on a great big cartoony cross, right? X marks the spot. Right. What if he had, if he had jumped 10 feet to the left? <laughs> you know? Right. Right, right. <laughs> and, well, and, and, yeah, and that's what I was talking about, the dumpster. You know, he could have broke his arm or, or whatever. Or his neck. You know, uh, and this is a thing that these are these are stunts that, you know, these are Hollywood people. There are trained people who do these things mm-hmm. uh, and they train for years to do these things. So they don't break their neck before they do a high fall. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to have right. an investment banker just do it for the first time, not even realizing what he's doing, where he doesn't care how he lands. Yeah, you can you can you can nitpick it to death. Um, they talk about squibs and, you know, boy, those were awfully accurate squibs. Uh, uh, you know that. Well, he, what if he had run left here? Uh, well, we would have had to set the squids off the other way. But it's just yeah, so there has to be some. <laughs> You have to accept that these are all-knowing, all-powerful conspiracy watching him, but they're benevolent. And, okay, uh, and it's not so bad when you just have a vague memory of the film because you just watched it the first time. You know, that, I mean, just for Christ's sake, turning a guy loose in, in Mexico without any money. Oh, my God, that could all go so wrong. So very wrong. <laughs> No, but they did the test, so they knew what he'd do. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I just, I just don't accept that people are that uh, mechanistic. Where nope, you know, the tests are perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do. I, I just, I do want to know how many times they fucked up. Right? There's, a, there's a room. There's a room with a bunch of hidden bodies in them. Oh, <laughs> this is. <laughs> how many times did it take them to get the test just right? <laughs> Uh, like I said, it feels so. If again, to me, it, it kind of falls apart under any deeper analysis. It doesn't stop the film from being fun, and it's a good thriller. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talk about playing into somebody's conspiracies, uh, conspiracies, conspiracy theories, and paranoia, uh, and really just undermine that sense of, um, uh of security that he had right and and what's going mm-hmm. on he never you know, he never knows where anything oh, and is it's going all, at any one point in time and it's all driven by uh christine the character of uh deborah care unger she's the one just kind of pulling him by the nose <laughs> like that whole senior title where he ends up jumping in the dumpster she's pulling him along that whole scene he's not right controlling the course she is uh, and and I think that's a major part of why the game does end up working is because she's like just leading him on a leash uh, through the hoops that he needs to jump through. OK, but see, like, here's a good example. Speaking of leading on the leash. Mm-hmm. Right. So right before they jump in the dumpster there, he's chased by a dog uh-huh. and the dog is barreling after him mm-hmm. um, and he barely gets over the fence to avoid the dog. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Well, what happens if he slips and doesn't? It's not like the dog is part of this. Test is perfect, Mike. God damn it. We've been over this. (laughs) I mean, maybe the dog was extra motivated. The dog gets to him and licks his ball. What does the dog do? Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm just saying, I think there there were some things they maybe could have done. To give them a little extra coverage in here or there, made it so it wasn't didn't have to come off quite so perfectly. I agree, you're right. It's the whole branch choices. If this happened, we see we see one set of branches and assume that that was always the way it was going to go, um, where it didn't have to. <laughs> well, it, it's but, also also a lot of this stuff is good for the viewer experience because it makes you uh, not know that they're plants, right? Because I mean, right. I mean when, you know, because the dog, you know, is it when you look back at the film, was it a trained dog and it would never kill him anyway? Or was was it really just a dog? You know, and while we're watching it, we just think it's a dog. You know, I, I was, so it's it's it works. But anyway, continue. But like so like if the dog had gotten to him first and the dog just stops and licks him, would it be like, right. all right, you got us. We were fucking with you. All, all our plans are ruined. Go on being a miserable <laughs> bastard. You know, uh, yeah. were they going to wait for him to, to to pass out in the taxi before they sent the divers in to rescue him? So that way he didn't know how he got, got saved? Because it's really yeah. weird that in the middle of the night there's two people in San Francisco Bay just waiting for, off the dock where, where uh, a car a car is going <laughs> to crash off. That seems awfully coincidental. Oh... Uh, I know I'm being a spoilers. spoilers yeah, spoilers. yeah, you're you're being a dick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I, I, but you're, you're saying everything that I, um, I thought as well. Yeah. But I, I was you're not, not wrong. But you're still being a dick. Yeah, I need to get it out there just to make my point, I, and I'm willing to move on from that because, again, I think in the end, well, it's, it's suspension of disbelief to enjoy okay, the film. But, well, see, see, the way I did it. Eric was simply say, you know, when he fell into the dumpster, he could have broke his arm, or when he went over the hills driving fast, he could have hit a bystander. So, so, so pension to disbelief. But Mike, he has to nitpick and ruin this it. This is the contest, Phil. Mike is just a miserable old bastard. He's <laughs> he's fifty. He's even older than forty-eight, which I am. <laughs> so be it. I'm just going to reiterate: I am the youngest one on this podcast. Ooh, what a shot. <laughs> anyway uh no but uh really uh another thing when we're when we were talking about uh the weight of his father uh and and his committing suicide and how he has the watch that he's been carrying around his whole whole life uh he has to he has to get rid of it while he's in mexico uh right. and so through that series of events he's that weight is lifted off of him right um and then through the final act, um, when he goes off the roof, that's that's the that's the thing. That's the thing. The catharsis, like he's 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 unburdened himself. He got rid of the watch. He has actually done the thing that his fathers did, but it didn't work and it wasn't real. So now now he's had that catharsis that he needed, which, by the hey. way, uh Mike, you're absolutely right about how that's not how 
how therapy works in real life. And, uh, and by the way, he doesn't just lose, give up the watch that's been holding him back. He gives him, he, he lets go of the money, right? The money is is theoretically stolen from him. Right, 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 right. So he's so even relieved of that burden. All of the baggage that he's inherited from his dad, uh-huh. all of that's gone. Yeah, everything is gone. Uh, and then eventually he thinks his brother's also gone, which is what drives him over the edge, literally. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, oh, well, <laughs> you're talking about how this is, this is how therapy works in real life. I was listening to uh, the film cast uh, earlier this year talk about that movie we did on uh, Dark Discussions, Kimmy. Uh, and one of the guys over there, Jeff Ganato, was saying that he it always it always cracks him up when like so there's somebody in a movie who's been traumatized, so they have all the issues, and then the way they get over their issues is to be traumatized even more. <laughs> like, well, I don't know if that would actually work. <laughs> yeah, the I I was I was sexually assaulted, so. Let me get sexually assaulted again, but this time I fight off my attackers and I will heal. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's it's definitely not as easy as that, though. I, I'll say one thing. Um, the stuff that Michael Douglas' character goes through in this ain't easy, so maybe it does work. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying somebody's in somebody's lining up for a, a hell of a malpractice suit. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, I did uh, like the, uh, I did like the shirt that Sean Ben had for him when he got, when he, when he got out of the airbag. I got Mexico and all I got was this stupid shirt. T-shirt. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was great. I wish he he put it on. He didn't put it on. That sucked. That well, because it, it looked like it was like a size four X, so that the audience could read what was written. Yeah. On it. Yes, <laughs> right. I, I noticed that too, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's too funny. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, I mean, it explains everything because I was thinking stuff too, like when he falls. In his suicide, and sometimes they they determine when people jump, uh, you know, that far up of a skyscraper that they mm-hmm. die of a heart attack before they even hit the ground. And right. but again, they it's all explained in this film because they do those four hour or seven hour tests at the beginning when he goes in and signs up for the game. That right. they, that's they, perfect. Yeah, exactly. So so he's not going to have the heart attack when he jumps. Or whatever. And do you know why the tests are perfect? Because of the movie. Because they're aliens. <laughs> no, but I particularly enjoyed the part of the movie where um, you think he's uncovered the plot and he ends up uh, kind of stalking that guy to the zoo. Um, yeah. Because at that point, on first watch, you think things are just totally going off the rails. And then they end up in the cafeteria. It's just like, oh, oh, fuck. This could go badly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and, and it is, uh, they must be watching them the whole time. And 
and stuff because you know you know when when he shows up at, at the the zoo and, and confronts him, mm-hmm. um, you know what happens if he he just shoots him there or clubs him or does this or you know you don't know. But the tests mm-hmm. prove that what he's going to do. And then when he gets to the um, uh, cafeteria, um, mm-hmm. they they must have had been prepped for him to show up right I yes mean, yeah. yeah yeah and also, well, also oh go ahead Mike. oh you keep going because I, I, oh, I was just gonna say this one thing about uh at the earlier in the film when the ambulance scene happens and then they all the lights shut out and everybody runs um that at first when i watched it i, I wasn't I, you know way back I, I wasn't i didn't appreciate that scene but i appreciate it more every time i watch it because it's like okay the game is harmless it's just something stupid and fun and whatever mm-hmm. and then um later it turns really dark you know because mm-hmm. because when everybody just runs away then you know okay it was all part of the game but other parts of the film you don't know is it really part of the game or not you know, well, but part of me, part of me is like thinks of, of the that episode of South Park where Cartman uh, tricks Scott Tennerman into into consuming his parents. Chili, uh, yeah, and the chili, and he's like, ah, funniest joke ever, and it's like, ah, we made you suicidal, surprise, <laughs> right. We made you think your brother was dead. Ah, love you. Oh God. Oh, really? There, there is. I mean, I like you said. Well, and there's that the moment. Perfect. Well, there's that moment when when Sean Penn is holding up the shirt and he just he's just kind of looking at him like, eh, eh, like, oh my God, is he going to murder me or is this going to be okay? <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, I don't know what I would. I mean, I'm sure the test would reveal this part of my personality. Because the test uh, is perfect. But I, I, don't, right. I don't know that I would re- respond very well. I, I, I liked um, <laughs> how, how the, the, the movie uh, made you think it was a game, but then think it was a conspiracy. Um, mm-hmm. the, the scene when Sean Penn shows up and says, says, it's a conspiracy. They just keep fucking you and fucking you. Yeah, yeah. That that part of the the movie, I think, was was probably my my favorite part because it's like, oh my god, it wasn't them, you know, people setting him setting them up. Right. But the brother was set up too. It's it's even bigger than that. It's like holy shit. And then after he ends up in the drink and he goes to the police, they go back to where the office was and it's just not there. That was one right. of my favorite moments of the movie. They just packed up the place. Right. Awesome. Well, it, but you know what's awesome though too about that is that they have the line again where you say, "Okay, this doesn't make sense." All they had to do was add this one line, and they do. When Feingold's character says, "Dude, you don't understand. They own the whole building. They just move floor to floor to floor." You know, uh-huh. so so it makes it like, oh, "All right, okay, I get it, I get it." And then that's easy why they can get back to the building and find them even though right you know they, they're right, gone right, right. you know and then i i loved also how they they did the um um the cops and stuff where where the phone every time they would it basically his phone 
is is taken over too. So anytime he makes a phone call, it's actually going to them. And then uh-huh. so if he's calling the cops, it's really them. And if he's calling, um, you know, a hotel, it's, yeah, right, exactly, exactly. So everything is it's pretty awesome. Yep. And then the thing that that helps and benefits because it's David Fincher is you get to that moment at the end. She's like, uh, that's not an automatic. <laughs> that's, right. you're, supposed to have a, you're supposed to have a security guard's gun. And at that point, you realize, oh, shit, it is just a game. Right. And he's going to murder someone for real. Right. 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 Uh, and then he's going to then he's going to put her head in a box. Right. <laughs> that's awesome but yeah i mean i mean that was that was awesome because it's like you, you really think about it, it's like how can they prepare everything like like you know i'm saying you know the, the bystander that he runs over or he he jumps but he misses and he hits the side of the the dumpster but in, in this case it's like what happens if he does just go to a black market or he had a hit in a gun as he did here or he just goes and buys a gun or, or whatever and suddenly he has a real gun with real bullets and it's like uh oh you know so <laughs> or you know or what if instead of jumping off the roof he shot himself in the head right but he right. wouldn't do that because of the test because it wasn't a real it's one of those Westworld guns that doesn't actually fire a human being <laughs> Right, right. One of my favorite moments in the movie is when uh, that random dude just tries to carjack him. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. And goes, I'm extremely fragile right now. <laughs> but, hey, hey, that, that was the best. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was the best. That was awesome. Uh, uh, men- mental illness is funny. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is when you're watching other people. I'll tell you that. But yeah. If you're in it, forget it, man. Uh, oh yeah, I was just at a at a at a, a diner down the road, and somebody was just like clearly off their rocker there. I was like, okay, mm. just 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 ignore them. Don't pay attention. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Um, what what else was good? Uh, the the. The, the, oh, one question I always go back to too is is like when he steals the gun from the private investigator and he fires it and the tire goes. Uh-huh. Is that a squib too? Did he fire a blank and then they just had someone on the roof to shoot the tire out to make it look? Oh no, like... they're they're and they squibbed everything. Everything was squibbed. Every every <laughs> light bulb, every glass, because every the car test tire. Is the test is perfect. Yeah. They knew exactly which. Not only did they know he was going to shoot a tire. They knew which. They knew exactly which what angle he was going to shoot the gun at. Yeah, right. They knew everything. They know all. <laughs> I just brought it up and Mike has to ruin it further. Like, uh, anyway, um, yeah, but I mean that's but that that's yeah. that's those, that's are, those the, are the questions you can ask. Yeah, right. That's those questions you can ask. That is the weakness of the film. That I think is one of the things that kind of keeps it from being. Uh, you know, the like very best of of what it could be, um, yeah. be, because you have to put that little asterisk on it. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think you need to do in other films. Um, but you know, not everything is going to be perfect, and this is still a goddamn entertaining movie. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. The, the um. Uh, things that I also liked 
about the film, even though the first time I watched it, I wasn't as happy about it as I watched it, watch it longer, uh, more times. Um, Deborah, Kara Unger's character, to find out that, to, to think she's just a bystander, to think she is part of the company, but forced to do it, but then to find out that she's actually a villain, but then find out that she's actually just an employee of a of an <laughs> inoffensive company when you really think of it. But then then at the end you find out okay everything is is, is just normal. It was just weird because because when he goes to her house and then he finds out that everything's fake. Right, right. That at that moment I was like I almost thought it was gonna jump the shark at that moment. But then they turn it into something awesome because okay, she's really part of the conspiracy and mm-hmm. not just a bystander. But then she uh, pretends that oh my god they're after I'm like your brother you know they they have me they they're causing to me too but mm-hmm. then when he's re- reading off his account on the phone it makes it's like that's she goes thank you you read off your account on your phone now we have your your numbers and we're really gonna steal your money and you were just talking <laughs> right. To, you know, right it's like oh my god she really is a villain which then, which know, by the way foretold yeah. decades of phishing scams. saying we need you to access your account to fix and restore access right 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 that somebody you know like your mom will will end up losing everything well and and what's great too is that she goes she calls the um uh, he calls his lawyer and the lawyer calls back and says says uh, everything's fine (laughs) right right and and she goes oh my god he's part of it he's part of it and then they have a line there that makes it you suddenly think oh maybe he is part of it because she goes he goes where are you where can i find and it's like oh he's trying to find out where we're at you know Mm -hmm. you know so he's part of the scam too but then of course like five three to four minutes later he gets drugged and he finds out that okay she's the liar and so so yeah so it really makes you tiptoe like what what's going on and who's yeah yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. It's great. A lot, lot, lot of uh, cool stuff going on. And one other great thing about this movie before we wrap up is uh, this movie introduced me to the song White Rabbit. I had not heard oh, it yeah, before. Oh, yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. And I oh, really? I staying as it played over the credits just so I could hear the whole thing. <laughs> you know what? I had already heard this song. Uh, I heard it from Platoon. That means okay. they played in that, too. So I had already known about it. But but yeah yeah it was because of platoon I bought went out and bought uh, Jefferson Airplane's greatest hits um, but you're right they do I think it's even used better in this film than in platoon yeah that's yeah, awesome yeah I have no idea I don't ever remember not knowing that song oh, okay. I mean that, that's very much the kind of well and I my, did my see platoon in the to. theater but uh, I was younger so it probably didn't stick yeah yeah. Yeah, and 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 they I'm so much on. younger than you guys when it came. Yeah, I was waiting for yeah. that to come in. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a classic song. It's not exactly an obscure hit. Um, well, no, it's not. It but it's also, not, it was a classic for my time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't one of the albums my my brother had, put it that way. So well, it wasn't like I was able to play it. Especially when I was younger, I spent a lot of time as a we used to live in Queens. And so we have to, when we were building the house up here, uh, there were a lot Jamaica, of Jamaica Queens, Jamaica. No, spent driving up and down, uh, for about two hours back and forth. 
with in the backseat of my parents' car. And, you know, we didn't have iPads back then. So my only uh, choice for entertainment was to listen to their music. So I probably right. heard a lot, heard that song through there. Now, uh, Mike, when I said Jamaica, Queens, and you said no, you're supposed to say the, the neighborhood, not just go and ignore my question. Okay. What part of Queens was it? Uh, I didn't care. Yeah. All right, fair enough. It might uh, be a bit too young it, to remember. It was White, no, it was Whitestone. Okay. Well, okay. What, what, is that embarrassing to say, Whitestone? Or, because you were no, trying to avoid it. No, I just <laughs> didn't think it was relevant. Well, it is. <laughs> it's like, it's like it Mike. Who does this cops this to find the fucking bodies? <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, you're right. It was it was just me being OCD and, and wanting to know. Um, but... Um, uh, yeah, see, when, when I was in the backseat of my parents' car, I was forced to listen to NPR or classical music. So. Yeah, I didn't even know pop music existed until I was in fifth grade, because my parents oh, yeah. are classical musicians, and that's all I heard around the house. Yeah, that's all my father listened to, too. But I did know all the other stuff, because my brother, he had his record collection of, of all the classic rock bands and stuff, so I was able mm-hmm. to listen to those. Um, so when did you get introduced to metal? Uh, uh, grade. Oh, you're talking to Eric? I'm sorry. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much everybody. Uh, was it was Ozzy Osbourne was pretty much what brought everybody into metal. I mean, he was the guy back then, right? I mean, that, I, that crazy train. I came at metal kind of sideways. Um, I started with Rat. Um, yeah, that was a big one, too. Yeah, And then cool. the Turbo album from Judas Priest, which led me to yeah. seek out other Judas Priest uh, which was heavier. I, I, Iron Maiden was another big one too. That everybody. Yeah, did. good band. Good band. They, it was the '80s. If anybody yeah. had hair, they had a they had a metal band. Yeah. It was just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, let's see what else. Uh, anything else that we want to bring up that we uh, have missed or that was on your list to bring up about this film that we wanted to talk about? I did like the line when he. So he's got the the Bob Cratchit character, right? The uh, the old guy who's got the who's uh runs the oh, book, yes. book distributor. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he finds these photographs of him uh with uh was it Catherine? Well, well, well at least what he thinks is Catherine because they don't show well, the face. Right, it's made yeah. to look like him and he storms in Christine's trying to buy uh, Christine's trying to buy out uh and fire the this guy who's like his father's friend. Um, <laughs> right, right, oh, right. Dick, when he says, "Oh, I should, I should forgive anything that you do because you used to go fishing with my father." It's like, right. yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, you dink. But anyway, right, pretty- and uh, little bear books, and <laughs> he storms in with these photographs that he thinks are intending to frame him that he found in a hotel room. He said, "I don't." He's screaming at him. I don't care if you've got pictures of me with nipple rings, butt fucking Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> that was right. right. Well, and the thing that was great about that was not only did the old guy say, "Oh, I've decided to sign," and he goes, "Well, this is my lawyer," and he said, "Oh, I already met him and I signed." And the lawyer, yeah. uh, and it's like, "Oh, oh and it's, oh, and and this is my daughter, right?" Right, and, and my wife. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and he goes, "I'm sorry to disturb you. I apologize." <laughs> and his lawyer follows him and goes, "Is there something uh, I need to worry about?" <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. Oh God! Also, one of my favorite moments in the movies is when he's talking to that same guy at the beginning, um, and he can't get his briefcase open. Oh yeah! 
And you see him getting real pissed, but he's like raining it in and raining it in and raining it in. And eventually he's like, you'll be hearing from my lawyer tomorrow. Yeah, this <laughs> is your lucky day. Just beating the hell out of his pre-case trying to get it open. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and then it was later on, when he when he loses his briefcase in the elevator, he walks away fumbling. Not like anybody can open it anyway. That's <laughs> yeah, true. That's right. That's right. That was awesome. Or, uh, right. oh, what was you saying? Oh, right. Your your mom. What when he had, uh, Sean Penn's having, uh, it meets him for dinner and or lunch mm-hmm. or whatever it was, and he's. So and how's Elizabeth, his ex-wife? He said, "Well, she's she's you know we're divorced. She remarried. She uh, she married a a, a pediatrician oh, right. or or a gynecologist or a gynecologist or, or a pediatrician's or, uh, pediatric gynecologist." <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, Little lines like that to show his bitterness without actually going overboard. It's kind of right. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That was awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, well, and even with his 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 brother, you know, he, he goes, yeah. When, when uh, I left college, and he goes, uh, which college was that? Because it was, right. because it, 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 we're talking many colleges. So it was just it's just like he's a dink, but he's not over the top of a dink. You know, the only time he's right, over just, the top to a dink is to the old guy. I'm just wondering, like, why I didn't remember the pediatric gynecologist line. Yeah, that would be like that. Twitter. That should have been a bring down the house kind of line to me. No, I'll tell you why I didn't know. I remember it was because when, when I was 27, I had no use for a gynecologist, so I didn't even know what the hell they were. I didn't even know what an OBGYN was when when George Bush said that OGBYN weird comment. You remember that George W. Bush? I didn't no. know what all that. Oh yeah, he said it, and, and they used to replay it over and over because it was so stupid. And I didn't even know what that was. So maybe that's maybe you didn't know what it was at the time because we're only twenty seven back then, Mike. Oh no, I was a bio major. I had a pretty good idea what that was. Uh, I watched the Cosby Show, so I knew what it was. There was that too, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't watch that. Show, <laughs> yeah, remember? Yeah, remember the Cosby Show when when Bill Cosby uh, had a room in his basement where he would lure pregnant women. <laughs> I, down knew there. I knew he was going there. I knew he was. When when you think about it, when you. Uh, no, no. The thing they didn't it, tell you on that show is that the whole time. The uh, thing they didn't tell you in that show is that all the pregnant women <laughs> were carrying his children. That, that, that's terrible. Jesus, that's just uh, terrible. But, but true. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Oh shit! <laughs> God, that is so funny. Even though I didn't want to laugh, I held it in. I just had to crack. It's so funny, and it's not right. <laughs> well, just as a reminder, like go back. This was this. I honestly this was, thought I was going to not laugh. The, the movie, the movie was nineteen ninety, uh, nineteen ninety seven, and people didn't realize, like they still looked up to Bill Cosby back then. Yeah, I, my mother used yeah. to always always promote Bill Cosby, saying he's, um, he's a UMass major. It, that he, she used to use that. All the time, try to get me to go to UMass Amherst, <laughs> and intentional because it was cheaper, in-state tuition, all that. Bill Cosby went there, Phil. Bill Cosby, he's a great man. Well, I, I mean, I always say this. It's, it is true. I, I'm not in any way, shape, form, or form defending what Bill Cosby did. Uh, but, yeah, back then, he was, yeah. He was. Yeah, but it also, it doesn't, I'm sorry, it doesn't make the stuff that he did fun, that was funny less funny. Yeah, it, um, it doesn't mean he's not still a genius comedian. He's just yeah. 
a genius comedian who's also well, a rapist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I exactly. mean, speaking of speaking yeah. of rapists, I mean, Kirk Douglas. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty good evidence that that he, well, he was a rape, that he raped somebody. So, I, well, uh, I don't know if there's evidence, but it's a story that's been going around for 50 years that makes it kind of like possible. Sure. Yeah. But there is no actually evidence except that story but that story has been around for years yeah that's yeah so yeah i mean it's and all, that was pretty gross that's a gross story yeah they're all they're all gross and that's why it's they're trained monkeys uh we pay them to entertain us and i i don't want to know their private lives i don't know why people are obsessed with knowing about celebrities private lives uh i, I really well, a lot of care less it's, it's it's actually a lot of it it's it's the celebrities themselves i mean some of them like Emily Blunt, she's not even on social media. She has no accounts at all. And that's intentional. But others, they just love it. They want that. And, and oh, yeah, uh, they, they do. But it's it's and I'm, don't get me wrong. This is feeding the machine. You have things like us. And oh, yeah. And, but, yeah. But you're asking why do why? Why do people, people care about their like, I, I don't give a shit what the person who installed my new washing uh, new dryer. I don't care what his particular like how many kids he has and who he's seeing and what his, I don't give a shit. You're an a person. I pay you to do a job. I pay Michael Douglas to entertain me in films. Right. Right. That's right. it. I don't need to know. I don't want to hear anything else. I don't want to yeah. know. And I, I, I kind of, part of me always resents hearing like the whole, you know, thing going on the trial that I don't want to mention. I right. Shit. I really right. don't give a shit. You have damaged people damaging each other. I don't and and people arguing over who's the worst and um they're both sad people who need help. Yes, yes, indeed. Anyhow, I, I won't even comment on that myself. But so, um, the movie, the game. Yes, the game. Um, um yeah. So anything else that anybody want to bring up? Anything uh, scenes or stuff that we forgot that was on your list? <sighs> I don't know. No, I think that's. I think we're done. Yeah. 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 So uh, I'll say this. Uh, excellent choice, Eric. Uh, this is a great. Thank point. you. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was I looking forward it. to do it possibly on Dark Discussions. Those few times that you put it up as on the poll. It's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh -huh. yeah. But and then we get picked. But uh, this was a good opportunity to do it. For sure. Mm. Let's see. Anything else? I guess that's all. all right. So, um, all right. So, uh, we'll. We're oh, the at, ending. What? I've just lost the, oh, the alternate oh, yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the alternate ending. Yeah, yeah. Let's, the let's alternate ending. I forget. I forget what it was. He walks was. out onto the street. What happens? <laughs> at the end of the film, yeah. Michael Douglas leaves the party and walks out onto the street. The end. Oh, oh, and he doesn't talk to the girl. He doesn't talk to the girl. He, I guess he gets out there. She's already gone, and he just decides to go take a, a, a nice stroll down the street by himself. Oh, okay. Hmm. So and then he, did and he dies. Probably. It is yeah. San Francisco. Because he's no longer in the game, and the test can't help him anymore. Right. Right. That's <laughs> true. That's true. And, and it is San Francisco, I'll tell you. you know, it's not necessarily safe certain sections. Um, but, yeah, so I guess I'm glad they did change the engine, because... Uh, the like you mentioned, Eric, uh, or it was you, Mike, that talked about how there was a love interest with the Christine character and him in the original script. While they obviously took it out, but 
they left the sexual energy in there. So to have the ending where that they may hook up makes sense and is kind of cool. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they added it back. Where well, it's also Michael well, Douglas in 19, uh, 1997. There's already going to be sexual energy in it. <laughs> well, right, right, right. I mean, he was a sex symbol for sure. All the, all the ladies liked him like Pam. So, in my well, brother, thanks, he was thanks for bringing that one up. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you brought it up, so I'm just repeating it. Well, and originally the movie was supposed to end um, after he fell through the glass. And when Sean Penn says, ladies and gentlemen, my brother, Nicholas Van Orton, and everybody applause, uh, everybody claps. That was supposed to be the end right there. Um, gotcha. But after test screening it, everybody was like, so what the fuck was that? Uh, and they, right. said they just need to wrap it up a little bit more. And that's why yeah. I know people hate taste test screenings. There are people like bitch and complain, and I've certainly done my fair share of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times they're necessary because you get your head so wrapped up in the story that you work on, in this case, for years. Mm-hmm. You miss it. You miss it. You can't. You 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 don't have the. What does this look like to someone who hasn't had their their yeah, their, their head fully up this story's ass for two years? And, right. And, right. And and knows what we're supposed to be saying and doesn't realize what we're actually saying. Right. Well, and and to add all that extra stuff, uh, including uh, him getting to go to the airport with, or which you're assuming he will get into the air, go to the airport with her to have coffee. It, it shows us that similar to uh, Scrooge, that his inner demons have been overcome and he is a new man. You know, mm-hmm. because if they end it w- where he just, where they just, um, they clap, or if they end it where he just walks out in the street and she's gone, I don't think it's makes the point of what the movie was trying to say, which is he overcame his demons. Yes. You know, things are going to turn around for him now. And that, if you want to help somebody with mental illness, the best way is to fuck around with them. Toss them off a building and everything will be cool. Gaslight the fuck out of them and they'll get better. <laughs> that's 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 right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny. It's awesome. Best film ever. But yeah, that that was such a oh my god. I mean, I I would have to expect the ending to be surprise, and then just pull out the gun and just start shooting randomly. <laughs> 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 fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he actually does snap or something. Yeah. But I also do like the mugging idea, too, Eric. That would be funny. <laughs> I mean, if he made it through Mexico, he gets killed right on San, the streets of San Francisco. Uh, hmm, I wonder if it was intentional, too, because he was uh, uh, the star of the streets of San Francisco. Hmm. Well, if he accidentally opened his eyes after falling through the glass and... and he blinded he gets blinded. And he, he blinded, blinded himself. Like, oh. <laughs> or, or, or the, the balloon doesn't work. <laughs> he gets blinded and wanders out in front of a cable car. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. That's terrible. Uh, that's awesome too. We're so But Well, the, the one... <laughs> So Bill Cosby, oh my god. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> I'm going to have you thinking about that for a long time, aren't I? Eric, Eric that, that would be a, a Mike comment, and you came up with it. It was so awesome. <laughs> I mean, awesome in a terrible way. 
That's dumb. All right. So anyway, um, so before we wrap up, uh, uh, some little house cleaning. Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Ascancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you got this one. Excellent. And Mike, uh, me, you, Sean Fox, and Barrett Heisner have just wrapped up a podcast? Yeah, that was the uh, Pediatric Gynecologist podcast found all over the dark web. <laughs> Say what? Well, we are dark discussions. Yeah. No, this is the um, uh, the uh, Cortana's Communiques podcast about the uh, Halo series on Paramount Plus. That just wrapped up its first season. It has been remo- removed. It has been renewed for a second season, which will come sometime in the next decade uh, and maybe actually get us <clears throat> to the Halo part of Halo. Indeed, indeed. And we're assuming that it'll be quick uh, because Paramount's been pretty quick with their Star Trek stuff, so maybe it'll be quick with Halo. They're not like HBO. That'll take like three years. Uh, well, I we'll find that, out- that they're... Their goal with Star Trek is basically to have new Star Trek every week um, okay. for the sense. whole year. Well, so they've got like and to be fair, Star Trek is a much more proven property than Halo. Yeah, that's Kinda, true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, that's so, basically what Disney's doing with Marvel and, and Star Wars. On, on right, but they're, they're at least so. alternating Marvel and Star Wars. It would be yeah, nice yeah, if true, they true. Uh, could find a thing like to alternate with Star Trek because having, like, let me say, Discovery... Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, Prodigy. So that's four Star Trek series on the air. Picard, Picard, Picard. Picard, five Star Trek series on the air at the same time. Right, um, right. That that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Well, and 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 it's not because star, people would be all Star Star Trekked out. It's just that there's just so much crap stuff out there. It's like, do I have time to watch anything? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even gotten into Stranger Things yet. It's like and. And then I, I turn on, uh, you know, one of these networks for the first time in like uh, four weeks, and suddenly there's a, a series there. It's like, holy smokes, that one series looks awesome, but I didn't even know it existed. Uh, the new season of The Boys just came out on Amazon. That, right. Too. I yeah. didn't even know that, you know, until a couple of days ago. So, oh my God, that's yeah. Good. I just uh, yeah, I binge watched that over the weekend because the first three episodes. Oh, that's right, because they do that crap where they do three episodes and you have to wait weekly. Gotcha. Um, yep. So, uh, all right. So that's pretty good. So, uh, and of course, we do the uh, what's that other podcast that me, you, Mike, and you, Eric, what is that podcast that we do with Barrett, too? What, what's that? The Bane podcast? What's that? <laughs> Dark Discussions? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I got that one. Yeah. What's that one? Yeah. Yeah. Dark Discussions. It's your place for horror, horror movies. Fiction and all that's fantastic. That's right, and that's you can check out weekly. Is that the tagline? Did I get it right? Uh, yeah, pretty close. Uh, Dr. Discussions, you're you on place. Stop saying it a while ago. Horror, film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, so, uh, all right, so let's get into our final thoughts on this film here. So, uh, we'll start with uh, you, Mike. Yeah, you know what? It's David Fincher. Uh, even lesser Fincher is good Fincher. Um, it, it's still a very good film. Uh, it's a good, solid thriller. It's got a really good performance, I think, by Michael Douglas. Uh, also a really good supporting performance by uh, Sean Penn. Uh, so I strongly recommend it. And I know having a little fun with it at its <clears throat> narrative questions uh, doesn't mean it's not worth watching. 
it's this was a, a good choice for Merrick. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I, I actually put it up as a, a, a top David Fincher, uh, just not as popular. But I would, I would, I personally like it as as a top. But I see Mike's point, um, and of course, it's it's Michael Douglas in his prime as well. Um, the film it was was is really good. Uh, it's a great thriller. Uh, has some excellent points to say about the human condition. Never mind. Uh, awesome um, twists and turns and thriller aspects that make a thriller great. Uh, and it is David Fincher, as, as Mike said, in his prime as well. Um, so I high recommend. And uh, this morning when I rewatched it, I, I, I was in, the dopamine was hitting me really strong because I was like remembering how great this film was or, or how much I forgot how much I enjoyed the film. Uh, so I high recommend. And again, as I, I'll restate, as Mike said, Eric, excellent choice. Um, and Eric, your turn. Uh, yeah, David Fincher rules. Michael Douglas rules. This movie rules. Go buy the Criterion Blu-ray. Yes, because that rules as well. Yes. All right, sounds good. So uh, once again, this is a sadly a 25-year-old film, 1997. Um, I remember watching it at theaters when I was a kid. Well, not even a kid. I was an adult, but I was a kid compared to now. Uh, so it is depressing to think that. Um, it is, um, as we mentioned, starring, uh, Michael Douglas, uh, with Sean Penn and Deborah Kara Unger and James Rebhorn playing really awesome roles. Uh, Carol Baker for folks who enjoy, uh, Italian and, and European horror films and, and British horror films. Uh, she's there. Uh, so there's a lot of good, good stuff in it and, uh, you can find it anywhere Rental, if you prefer to do it that way, but as Eric mentioned, it is on a Criterion Disc Edition, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, and that's pretty much it. So uh, that's the Cinema a la carte. Uh, next next episode, we will be picking a film. Uh, it'll be a Mike choice, because it is his turn to choose. And until then, Eric, why don't you lead us out? All right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's, let's talk about the game. Come back next time and find out what Mike picked. Mm-hmm.